0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Utah Youth Rugby Podcast. As always, my name is Coleman, and I am here with Kingston and Tosh, and another guest here, the Commissioner of Utah Youth Rugby, Brent Meyer. Brent, or I like to say, Dad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't um, know if
1: after tonight you probably don't want to be associated with... <laughs> the- <laughs>
0: You're, you, you you may be right there, um, but uh, thanks for joining us today. Really excited to you know get to know you a little bit more and, and 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 help others get to know you a little bit more. Just about why you've decided to come and you know be involved in Utah youth rugby and 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 things like that. So thanks for jumping on.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. happy to be here. And um, let me just correct you. I'm the high school. There's two commissioners. There's a boys commissioner and there's a girls commissioner. Uh, so course. I o- I oversee all the the boys. Nice. Got it.
0: Okay, very yeah, thank you. For, so then we'll have to get the the Just girls be clear there's a there's another
1: yeah, there's another counterpart that covers mm. the uh, the girls' uh stuff. But they're a little cool. smaller organization than the boys. Right. She does a good job. Great. Right. We'll
0: have to get her on here sometime. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's Bev you guys probably know her. It's Bev uh, Bev Whippy. Yeah. Yeah, I think I so know she, Bev. Yeah, she's a, a Mill Creek councilwoman, I think. Oh wow, she's our rep, she's powerful our representative. Yeah, she's our representative she's in, in our district. Yeah, so nice. she's
2: good. It's great. Well, Brent, anyway. could you m- maybe just start off by giving us your rugby background, like how you got here, different <laughs> you know roles that you've had? This one we're actually t- we're really excited for because you don't really come. From much of a rugby background, so
1: I—that's—that's that's right. It's actually zero. Did not play rugby whatsoever. I lived vicariously through Coleman and Quinn with with rugby. So I had no idea. When when was this? Coleman probably. Uh, when did you get into it? Two thousand and what like? I was in eight? seventh and eighth grade. Yeah, so that's. That was my exposure to rugby and um, just kind of, you know, grew into liking it, understanding the dynamics of it. Right. I mean, it's a unique sport, though. I don't think there's another sport like it. Right. And um, just, you know, through watching, you know, you guys play and then obviously my boys, you know, play, I just kind of learn the game a little bit um enjoyed watching it it was something different and um and that was really the extent of you know my you know my knowledge of rugby was just kind of watching my boys playing you guys play um and then you know i've always been involved in youth organizations i was part of the U conference football um, organization for a long time probably close to 13 years on their executive board and um, in 2017, the old president, uh, Owen Power, um, asked me to, to come on board and uh, kind of lead the, the, the boys program, um, oversee what was going on with the boys. And so didn't know a lot of people that were involved in rugby. I, I, you know, I, I knew, you know, Mike, Mike Kressler, who was predecessor to uh, to to Owen at the time, and so I I got to know him a little bit, but I didn't know a lot of a lot of people in Utah youth rugby uh, at all, and uh, and so I used some of the the experience I had in the youth football program and kind of brought some ideas to to UIR to uh, to help you know grow and, and provide some some ideas that would be beneficial. I don't, don't, you know, I look back now and I don't know if any of those suggestions that I uh,
2: (laughs) provided made
1: uh, any difference, but um, over the last six years I've been doing this, I've loved it and I've gotten to know a lot of good people, um, great rugby guys, good players. So that, uh, yeah, that kind of brings me up to what I'm doing now and have kind of growing into the role and I think I have a pretty good handle on how to do certain things with you know with the organization specifically the boys so uh, it's been it's been good I don't know how much longer I'm going to do it I mean I I, this is almost a hobby to me right so that's what I do in my spare time and I'm actually working on it tonight a lot of scheduling stuff so yeah. what
2: would you say is your favorite part of the role like what what do you enjoy the most about it
1: um, my you know I think when you when you when I show up on Saturday to a, a match at a field and everything is is running smoothly and knowing that I kind of did some part with it right because I do a ton of the scheduling I organize the referees um, the trainers make certain The fields are painted and when I go to a match and we've presented a a good product with everything falling into place and the teams are, uh, you know, are are playing well and they're playing on a good field. I mean, that's that's kind of, you know, what I enjoy uh, about it is just seeing the boys have a good experience um, on game day.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I love that, and and you know, Tosh Kingston and I, we've all been able to experience in one way or another that kind of organization and that level of um, you know product that the you know Utah Youth Rugby has been putting on for some of those games. Either it be you know Kingston in a coaching you know capacity, you know previously or, or Tosh and I being able to kind of help with either kind of assistant refing or scorekeeping um the organization that goes into that is huge and I know that that's something that you know Tosh and I you know appreciated when we were um in the you know the youth program as well um
1: well you know, yeah to to that point i mean these these families and these kids are, are paying good money to to play and so we have a responsibility to put a good product together you know for them so
2: and, yeah, and I awesome. feel like that's definitely in place. I mean, I think of some of the fields we played on when we were in high school. I mean, I don't know if United maybe had a better situation Kingston, but, um, yeah, a lot of times we were just playing on whatever field, and now they're playing at Zions Bank Stadium. You know, they've got a great yeah. setup. You know, there's a lot of good stuff going.
1: Yeah, I remember you guys would, would play at, like, Sugar House Park. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. it's horrible. Had a little slant, you know, Uh yeah, it's it's changed a little bit.
0: That's great. Um, One of the questions that I had was, do you ever talk to like other states, youth program, like commissioners or presidents and like, what,
2: like, I I mean, do you,
0: and then I kind of have a follow up question in regards to that.
2: Yeah, Yeah. that's a good one. Is there like a federal government to your (laughs) state, Utah youth rugby? Type
1: of thing? Well, there, yeah, I don't want to get myself in into trouble about (laughs) the, you know, the 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 federal uh, oversight. Uh, We are governed by USA Rugby. Mm. Um. However, it's a it's a loose relationship. Okay. So we're you know it's kind of interesting because you know Mark Numbers, who you guys had on a few weeks ago. Um, uh, you know, he and I had a discussion about, you know, USA, USA rugby is a good organization. They have run into trouble over the last, you know, three or four years, you know, financially. Right. Right. Um, and so we are tied to them loosely. We have our own bylaws that we create, but a lot of those bylaws have to be tied into, uh, USA rugby. So there is there is a little bit of oversight, but we run as a separate entity, you know, on our own following, you know, loose loose policies that USA uh, Rugby puts out. So there is a little bit of oversight. I mean, they're not checking in with us or anything like that. We don't have to call in weekly and and check in and things, things like that. Um, But to Coleman's question. Yeah, I um, I've got a creative relationship with. uh, rugby, Arizona is president down there. Um, he and I have frequent uh, communications and then, uh, Mitch, I don't even know Mitch's last name up in uh, Idaho.
0: First name <laughs> first basis. Name basis. So, yeah.
1: yeah. First name basis. Yeah. And Taylor, Taylor's the one down in, uh, uh, in, in Arizona. And so, yeah, we stay connected. Um, I reach out to them occasionally just to get some ideas on, you know, what they're doing and what some of their operational policies are. Yeah, so Arizona and Idaho, they're close. A lot of, you know, Red Mountain down there in Arizona comes up and plays uh, Snow Canyon um, often. And then uh, a couple times over the last few years, they've come up and played some teams, Red Mountain. And then Idaho was just uh, Eagle. Idaho was just down here this past week and played a couple of our teams. So, um, And so they're wanting more Idaho is wanting to create more crossover games with with some of our teams we haven't been able to do that a lot as much as we want to but you know starting with eagle um this past week was was a good start so yeah there's a good relationship there
0: good and then one thing that i I, you know we don't have to kind of compare but i'd love to kind of know i mean i guess we are like how do we kind of compare to these other states as far as kind of the rugby organization goes um, I, you know, you can look at places like California, Texas, someplace on the East Coast that have like, you know, I know Utah has quite a few ranked teams, but some of these states that have large amounts in like top 15, top 25, whatever. Like, I know that that doesn't always contribute to the organization of the youth in that state. But how does Utah kind of compare if you're able to kind of compare to, to like Arizona and, and Idaho as far as organization structure, et cetera?
1: Yeah, I mean, I—that's th- a good question. Uh, the dynamics are different in every state, right? You look at California; they've got so many teams, yeah. um, and you know they're—they're they're spread out. They've got—I uh, think there's like three or four separate. There's like uh, Southern California. There's a, a Northern California youth program, so they've got multiple entities uh, there. I think the closest that we match up to is is idaho and the structure and i think out of out of the mountain west in utah and you guys know utah is you know is one of the preeminent rugby states right Right. um and i i think we're you know farther ahead than, than many other, you know, states, just because of history, right, of, yeah. of Romania so with, with Highland and, and United. And so I think on our youth level, we've been able to structure things that, that fit, you know, Utah. And we're, you know, we're, we're looked at as, you know, a, an organization that has things going, right? I mean, there's, there's stuff that we, you know, need to improve on, but I think we're very well organized. Um, and we're close-knit, right? We're not really spread out outside of Snow Canyon or or Timon, as they're known as now. Um, so everybody's fairly close. Idaho runs into a problem, uh, and I've talked to Mitch about this, that they've got pockets, like, all over the state. And it's tough for Boise teams to travel, like, four hours over to, like, um, Pocatello, right? And the level and quality of teams varies up there. And so with us, I mean, everybody's just packed right in here between, you know, essentially Davis County. We do have Cache and, and Bear River up north. But everybody's pretty close. Um, and that makes for an easier scheduling, right, and, and travel time. So guys aren't really traveling. Our teams aren't really traveling very far to play in state teams.
2: It's always nice. It is. I remember driving down to Snow Canyon. We would drive down in the morning, play a game, drive back up, and I think about that now and geez, that was exhausting.
1: Yeah, just the four hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well we have <laughs> hey, we have some clubs that are exhausted just having to drive from Salt Lake up to Davis County. It's a long trip for them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The privilege. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, well, you had mentioned that obviously places like Idaho have, you know, their own kind of challenges. What are some of the biggest challenges that, um, you know, Utah Youth Rugby is facing in regard? I mean, yeah. What are some of those challenges that Utah's facing?
2: This is a good question. I think we asked Mark something similar. So we'll see if your answers line up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I sh- yeah. I, Yeah, I should have re and i listened to mark and he <laughs> he uh he did a good job so i don't I, I may miss uh something here and and mark and i try to be on the same page right but i think what what i see is the 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 number of teams that we're getting every year right we're, we're growing we i think we added six six new clubs And under those under each of those clubs, right, we typically have, you know, three teams under that. Um, And so I think the challenge that that I see as the boys commissioner, as I structure everything on a weekly basis is how can I get. Games for for everybody and where can I find locations, that's the battle and that's the hurdle that I have is that we're growing so fast year over year that finding field space. To accommodate these teams and their schedule is, I think that's that's our, our biggest hurdle um, for me as, as the boys' commissioner. Now, there's there's some ancillary stuff like, uh, you know, making certain, uh, you know, guys are following the rules and updating our policies and procedures, which are, you know, to be honest, are archaic. And I think Mark would agree with me is, you know, we're trying to wrap that, that up. So that that may not be the the best answer, but that's what I see as the biggest challenges are growth and uh, making certain that you know everybody is happy. All these clubs are you know getting what they need you know from from us.
2: Yeah.
0: No, and that, I mean to
2: be
1: honest, what was Mark's? Way, I can't remember. What what did Mark say?
2: It was probably <sighs> something like that. I can't remember all the details. <laughs> either. <laughs> But I'm um, sure it was. Yeah. I'm sure it was very similar. He did talk a lot about growth, so you're both very aligned yeah. on that front. And it, and yeah. it sounds like
0: it's a, a really good problem to have, right? I mean, it yeah. just goes to show that you know, you as you know, commissioner and, and president, and at uh, you know, really a board of Utah Youth Rugby, both men, you know, boys and girls, this the the popularity that it's having, and and I think that goes to show like, as you know, these kids are having a good time playing rugby. They don't feel like they're stressed out. It's not overly like like when it's unorganized rugby sucks. And I think Tosh and Kingston and I have all had an experience where we feel like this has been completely unorganized and it wasn't enjoyable. Um, And so providing that for them probably gives them an opportunity to feel happy about it, feel proud to play rugby and to invite their friends to come and watch. And then, you know, in doing so it gets that word of mouth out.
1: Yeah. And, And that's, we have one shot to, you know, to make it happen. Right. If we've got a new, you know, kid coming out to play rugby, we've got to do it right, or yeah. he's not going to come back. So we've got one shot to, to make it successful for, for either that kid and 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 the club, so they do come back.
2: Yeah, Brent, I've uh, have got a question for you. It's um, so that'll be a
1: beauty. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Actually, King, Kingston, do you have anything before I, before I ask? Is there anything you want to ask? No. No, go for it. Yeah, Brent, I just wanted to ask you about the uh, disciplinary policy Um, or just what what the process is like because I don't think that we had something like this when I was playing or or when any of us were playing. Um, But yeah, if you could just walk us through, you know, someone gets a red card, what happens?
1: Yeah, so we're we're changing the whole process this year to uh, facilitate uh, it a little better than... What it was historically and so just to give you a backdrop on how we've progressed so um, when a red last year for example when a red card was issued i would be the citing commissioner right okay um so i would get the match report from the referee and i would do my due diligence in talking to people what did they see talk to the ref um, and talk to the player just to you know, do my due diligence, and then I would levy a sanction or, uh, or a, a disciplinary uh, action on the player. So if it was a red card for a high tackle, I'd have to uh, really navigate, you know, were there any uh, mediating fact, factors in it? Was it high? Was it low? And then sanction the kid, either uh one game or, or two games or whatever it, it was using, uh, you know, IRB and World Rugby uh, laws. And that was the process, so I'd work on those when they'd happen on a weekend, forwarding to uh, Larry uh, Wilson, who at the time was our executive director, he'd have a hearing. Uh, an appeal hearing because every red card was appealed i can't remember of a red card not being appealed right because those <laughs> kids want to play and so they'll appeal it yeah um and so we get together and and hear both sides and and make a you know final resolution so it was a, it was somewhat of a long tedious process right um a lot of people to talk to connecting with the coaches clubs and, and teams um and we the executive board would take on a lot of responsibility and a lot of pressure um to to make these decisions on on, on red cards and, and the like and so over since last year moving into this year um we've decided to hey let's take the responsibility off the executive board the citing commissioner myself uh, mark numbers and and everybody else and let's create a disciplinary committee which uh Brigham Wilcox heads right now. He's on our board of directors. Um, he's our uh, disciplinary chair, and um, and so what happens now is it's so much easier. I mean, I don't have that pressure and responsibility anymore to the levy a, a sanction. So what happens now is that everything goes to Brigham Wilcox directly. directly. Uh, the match report from the ref. Um, any video and uh, and, and Brigham uh, Wilcox now uh, gets together with his committee, which we have. There's uh, there's members on that disciplinary committee, and they decide the level of of sanction or penalty that a player uh, should receive. And so, the executive board, myself, Mark numbers are completely out of it now, um, which we think it it should have uh, been a long time ago it's just hard for us to let you know that go and i loved you know i love the idea of dropping a hammer sometimes <laughs> but anyways uh, so so we changed it this year and uh the same process in regards to levying um you know a sanction on a player still happens but it's just a shorter method doesn't go through four or five people it just goes to one disciplinary chair he chats with his guys on the committee and then they levy the fine and notify the coaches and the, and the players so it makes it nice for me because i don't have to worry about a lot of the repercussions that you know i would i would get and plus my time was constrained to, to get it done too. And so it's been kind of a relief, a little pressure off the back, but we don't get a lot of red cards. I mean, they happen. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's not a systemic problem here within that's good. UIR. Yeah. So, yeah,
2: that's really good.
0: So if there are any red cards and there are, you know, punishments in place, it's not your fault at this point is what you're that's saying. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so yep. clear name. <laughs> well,
1: I am no longer the bad guy. <laughs> when it comes to disciplining,
3: but all that power is just gone now.
1: I, well, I, well, let me. Say, I'll tell you though. I I do all the scheduling for the 55 teams, so I can still, you know, sneak a. You just know, tell a the difficult... team they're not playing this week. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you have a bye. You have a bye. They've got a game scheduled on <laughs> the beach of Utah
2: just, Lake or yeah. something. <laughs> just just yeah. suspend the whole team, not just the one there player. Is...
1: <laughs> I always hold those cards just in case. Yeah. Right.
2: So. What's the uh, – and I know it probably varies case to case, but um, what's the going rate for a, a red card? Say it's you know, high tackle, pretty dangerous – what are you looking at for something it's usually, like that? Yeah,
1: it's something like that. Um, there's mitigating factors sometimes, but a lot, of, a lot, it's uh, a two-game suspension. Okay. So it'll be yeah. So if there's a red card levied at you know on, on Saturday, and it was in the first half, essentially that game will be counted towards one, and then he'll have to sit another.
2: Ah, uh, right. that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And then I imagine, so, like, foul play, a punch, or anything would be a little bit more.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. We haven't had one of those in a while. We did have one two years ago, and uh, the kid was done done for the year, so.
2: Well, that's there good go. not to have many. I remember, I, I keep bringing up it's when we were in high in school, but yeah, it was just kind of <laughs> part of it.
1: Well, you... Yeah,
2: which was not good, by the way. Well, yeah, but I remember
3: we had a teammate who actually almost had to press criminal charges against someone.
2: I remember because it was (laughs) yeah our teammate, me and Coleman.
0: It was your teammate who hit my teammate. Hold on, let it be known, I didn't play that year. So, what
2: are are you washing your hands? (laughs) I am because I didn't play that year. (laughs) I I don't
1: even think you guys had refs back then. I don't even remember (laughs) seeing one on the field.
0: Oh, they had refs. Yeah. There was like Sam. Yeah, and yeah, that was it.
1: Oh yeah, good old Sam. Yeah, he still Sam. shows up. Yeah, he still shows up every once in a while. At uh, I see him more at the Olympus Games.
0: But he likes to oh. just kind of be like the assistant ref that takes the score and manages yeah. subs. So right. That's mm-hmm. his yep.
1: Realm. Yeah, yeah he's that. a good guy. Well, you know he's a he's an Olympus guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I do yeah. that yeah. over there. Yep. So. But, uh, yeah, he was a good guy.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, on that kind of note, in regards to, obviously, punches aren't great for the sport. (laughs) Obviously, you're mitigating that significantly, it sounds like, just, you know, through, um, you know, policies, et cetera, whatever. But um, I would love to know kind of with all of the growth that's been going on, everything that you've been seeing, how – I'm trying to figure out a good way to kind of phrase this. How do you make sure or ensure that teams are welcoming and, like, to new players and to like foster this like growth and acceptance for these new kinds of players. Cause you know, being in Utah, we all know, like there's very, there's a very high kind of difference, right? There's either, you know, rugby or you don't, yeah. there's no kind of in between when you're playing on a team. Um, and so I would love to kind of know what Utah youth rugby does or UIR does to kind of foster that acceptance and that growth for, for each team, for new players.
1: Yeah. So most of the, most of the established teams that have been around for forever, like, you know, United and the West Valleys, it's kind of a legacy um, institution, right? So a lot of their players that are coming through have started at the youth youth level. And so when those players come through the, the, the system, they they know rugby, they know the culture of that particular club. And that's the interesting thing too, is that every club in UIR has a different culture, right? And so those kids come through the program and they're already accustomed to, to rugby and what the expectations are. So when you're talking about new players coming in, typically those newer players are part of new clubs, right, that have never had any, any rugby. And I think that's what you're referring to because a lot of these legacy programs, they're, they're kids. There's really nobody new that comes in, you know, at 12th grade, right? Uh, like, you know, Harriman, those kids over at Harriman have come through the system already. You don't you're not getting this, this one off, you know, or two off player just joining out of, out of the blue. Um, so with these new players that, that come on, they're usually associated with a new program. And um, and so to, to make certain that that new program and those new players, you know, grow and enjoy it, we, we put them in a situation, that club or that team in a situation where they can be, you know, successful and they're not getting beat up week in and week out by the Harrimans or the West Valleys or the Leighton Christians, some of those established teams. And so we've got, like I said, we've got five new programs this year that have essentially new kids that have never played rugby before, that have come from wrestling or, you know, football and lacrosse. And so we put them in a separate tier just based off of – history of the program, Uh, are they, are they new? So we have a tier three conference where these new teams that have predominantly new players uh, are playing against like teams, right? And we found that to be successful, a means for, for teams to stick around, right? Because you don't want a brand new team like the Warfrogs, which are essentially Davis high kids that have no, rugby experience at all um, we want them to come back you know next year now a lot of that has to come in comes into play with with the coach and the type of coach that is running the program and so we get to know those coaches pretty well I have you know conversations with all the coaches in in UIR and and try to keep tabs on on what's going on and and uh, and that's one thing is to have good good coaches um you know with these kids these brand new kids uh you know coming in and i think that also rolls over into maybe the one-offs like a kid 12th grader brand new to rugby going into harriman i mean you know those guys over there at harriman run a good program and they know not to put kids in bad spots right they'll put kids in positions where uh where they can you know succeed and so a lot of that uh you know, and I'm getting long-winded here, but a lot of that um, uh, support with these new players really comes from you know from the coaches, and it's our responsibility as as UIR is to make certain we have the right coaches there. And all of our coaches across UR, UIR have done a wonderful job. I mean, I, I would I would trust them with um, you know with my kids uh, if I had a new kid coming into the program. <laughs> That's all Hopefully that doesn't happen, right.
0: right? Yeah, I, got, I, got, <laughs> I don't want another brother. <laughs> I like the one that I have. So yeah,
1: I know I got a little <laughs> long-winded there, but you know, there's a lot of there's just you know a lot of dynamics that that go into that, and so we want to make certain it's done right. And like I said, we we've got one shot to yeah. to make it right with that that kid.
2: Yeah, yeah. You you mentioned the tier structure how are the tiers configured other than brand new teams? Is there a reshuffling after every season or is there any movement between the tiers? How does that all work?
1: Yeah. So we, there's, there is some shuffling um, done year in and year out and uh, it doesn't change too much. Uh, You've got legacy programs that have always done well. So for example, and i'm going to leave the the single schools out because there's never really any shift there. Okay. Those guys, you know, the Harriman's, Olympus, East, Mountain Ridge, uh, Highland, they all they they have to stay in that tier cuz they're single school. So you got the the three tiers in the multi-school tier 1, tier 2, tier 3. So when we're shuffling around, we look at how did they do last year? What were their scores? um were they just dominating everybody in that particular uh you know in the in the tier they were before or is it a struggling team that didn't do well that needs to maybe you know drop down to this uh to a different tier so for example uh brighton was a tier two team last year they won the state championship and they really rolled through that tier two conference so we moved them up this year into uh the tier one. Right. Um so a lot of it comes into, you know, how competitive were they the previous year and really the growth. American Fork, for example, was just a nine and ten seventh and eighth team. They, they they like to go by the cavemen. Um, last year was a nine, ten, seventh and eighth grade only team. This year they um those 9th and 10th graders moved up and they have a varsity team now. Well, when you think about it, those 9-10 kids have, you know, two years of experience of rugby underneath them. So they moved up into varsity. You've got American and now, it's got a varsity 9-10 and 7-8 and team. And based off of the experience, we kept them um, in a Tier 2, moved them up into a Tier 2 division. Uh, just based off of that that experience um, a lot of it is you know historical um, you know West Valley year in and year out creates good teams big boys do well um, there's teams that you look at that you know should be in a specific uh, specific tier so there is some shuffling but not a lot my my assumption is that we'll have uh, probably one, Move from each uh, tier up. We'll have one move up from tier three into tier two, and tier two uh, into tier one, and we may have one tier one move down to tier two. So there is some shuffling. It's just really based off of you know how they performed the previous year, and and looking at uh, you know their their team and looking at scores. So it's pretty archaic way to do it but i think it's it's worked and you know we want to create a equitable and level playing field for everybody
2: right and if it works it works um i've sorry were you gonna say something uh no okay sorry i've good. I've got another question if either of you guys have anything you can cut in okay um where do you see the the future of utah youth rugby going do you see it more because right now there's the single schools and the multi-schools or yeah, yeah, single school, multi-school, which I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so our and Mark Mark and I are, are kind of in, in agreement with with this. And I think the the I don't want to say long term goal, it could be a short term goal is to is to get sanctioned. Um under the Utah High School Activities Association, right? Where each school would, would have their own uh, rugby program, um, which in turn essentially rolls into kind of a, a single school uh, model, right? So that's, you know, that's, I think that's our goal and that's what we're, we're building to. Um, there's some dynamics that go into that, that we're getting close on the boys side I, I think we're probably realistically two years away from getting sanctioned. And uh, I think that's the direction that, you know, we'll, we'll go. Now, we're, we're not going to stop, uh, you know, multi-schools from creating their, you know, their clubs at, at all because that's it's just a matter of, of growth. I don't think there's anything stopping UIR at all from continued growth, getting new teams in. Uh, but I think if you're looking at maybe the mid to long term, Uh, uh, goal it's it's to get get sanctioned there's upsides and there's downsides to that but um, UIR is you know as always since I joined and even before that was was kind of working towards a single school uh, uh, model because there's always that you know there's always that competition between high schools right Um, you know if you're associated with uh, you know West and you're going to play East. I mean, that's a that's a big rivalry and you know in football and same Highland East uh, So that's that's kind of the direction that you know, we we hope to go and there's going to be some Setbacks with that, but I think we're on the you know, the right path um, we need to get more girls teams uh, involved and that's uh, that's growing as as well, so we're in a good. We're in we're in a really good spot, and, and Mark and I are pretty happy with the direction that you know we're headed. I think we're we're setting the tone and some seeds uh, with the activities association about what we're wanting to do. Uh, but there's some you know obvious you know steps that we need to take on our side uh, to get to that point
0: yeah i mean that sounds like you guys are really headed in the right direction i know that that's something that we always talked about when we were in high school is getting you know sanctioned by you know utah high school whatever the governing body is for that but yeah uh, and so it sounds like it's just super close yeah it is it is
1: yeah it is close and there's you know like and i think mark had mentioned this too on on your previous podcast is that there's There's some upsides to go in sanction, and there's some other, you know, dynamics that are, you know, could be problematic, right, from what we've known as essentially a club organization. So uh, those are some things that we, you know, could be a, a, you know, hard pill to swallow. But in the long run, like you look at lacrosse, I mean, it's turned out to be pretty successful when they've gone to single school. So and I think we can follow that, you know, that model.
3: There you go. Well, cool.
0: Well, um, moving away kind of from, you know, rugby, organizational stuff, really, you know, who's your favorite son?
1: Oh, <laughs> just kidding. It's, it's, just the kidding. One, it's the one that rises in the morning.
0: Oh, oh. That, nice. Look that at was you go. deep. Right? That's oh. deep. Very deep. Look at you go! <laughs> you cool. I, can't,
1: I can't answer that. Of
0: course not. We know you We're both your
3: favorites. So
1: yeah. yeah. So the answer is
3: his grandson. <laughs> Ooh,
0: there it yes. is.
1: There it is. That, well, that's right. Could go to grandson. Um, so I know you guys have been involved with with rugby and the youth program and at different levels. What give us some thoughts or ideas of what we could you know do better as an outside observant what are some areas that you see oh man i wish uir would you know would do this or implement implement that
0: i mean for me um and i think you're already starting to implement it but trying to just be a little bit more active on social media i think that that's huge and like maybe having some sort of groundwork for teams to follow as well um, you know, for, you know, local teams. So first UIR having some sort of like, you know, social media presence a lot more. I know that you guys are working towards that one podcast is something that you guys are doing and and I think I appreciate that. But then also ha- having some sort of framework for teams to utilize so that they can kind of have a little bit more visual for, you know, people in high school that are interested or, or that kind of aspect, I think could be a huge leap as far as getting the word out um, and kind of having that kind of thing. Obviously I know that, you know, for local teams, sometimes social media is in top priority just because, you know, it's another head that they need to have or another thing they have to handle. But I think something along those lines could be
2: super, super, super beneficial.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Kingston, you probably got a way better answer than me being a little bit closer.
1: Yeah. Kingston probably got a, a list. (laughs) <laughs>
2: List of grievances. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Nail it to the door. <laughs> um just one. Alright. When you go um, it means you're like, you like one, this one or the, the...
3: So, so for me I think um kind of not really as much along the lines of Coleman, but uh just the the outreach aspect of it somehow because I know most of the teams that I know, most of the teams in the area where Um, for instance, my family is all residing and playing, um, just outreach and awareness. Like one, no one knows that rugby exists. And two, um, people have a hard time. I don't know if it's digesting the idea of playing rugby because whether their son's big in football or big in basketball,
2: sorry. Um, she's got things to say too.
1: Yeah.
3: She's got a few but, grievances. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she needs to go to sleep. Um, but just that outreach and somehow connecting with—I don't know—administrations at schools or something, something to just get the word out that rugby exists. Because I know when we when we were playing, we were younger. The only way your team grew is if you went out as players and yep. got your got your boys. So if you already don't have enough kids for a team, and then those kids are also a little on the shy side and won't go out and recruit more guys. Like the only reason we had a team when we were in high school is because we went and forced all of our friends to come play rugby. Yeah. So, and it's just it, that aspect of it is dying. Kids just aren't as willing to go out and recruit. So. That is a good
1: point. Yeah.
3: I don't know if the, if there's social media would help a little bit. Um,
1: and more the, and yeah, sanction, more boots.
3: sanction would also help as much but it's it's just surprise. it always has blown me away how Harriman can be so um successful year after year after year and see no drop off when every other team kinda has ups and downs coming and going of of influxes of boys depending on the friend groups that play.
1: Yeah. Well that's yeah. something Yeah, I was just gonna say, and you're you're probably gonna mention it, Tosh, is that something that Jeff had had mentioned on yeah. His podcast is that he's just gotten the support of the, the community, mm-hmm. um, and they have put boots on the ground. I mean, they do a lot of um, service work, um, and everything is tagged with, you know, Harriman Rugby, right? When they go out and do service, and, um, and so that's what they... Uh, Harriman's a good example, right, of that. And we see that with other teams, too. They're getting there. Leighton Christian's another one up north that essentially has the school on board. Um, and, you know, that community uh, up, up there is, is on board. But I think, you know, Harriman, uh, you know, is really the gold standard within UIR on how to get, you know, what Kingston was, was mentioning is getting kids involved. Which doesn't mean just the the youth. That's parents. That's the community. That's just you know the school, the government. There, uh, they've done a, they've done a good job out there, um, and I've got to commend them for that. And that's that's essentially what we hope a lot of these other programs do. And they're getting there. A lot of them try, but it is they just don't have the bandwidth sometimes to to do that because these coaches are busting their butts every week you know three days a week coaching getting off work early and then they've got games on saturday and they're just worn out and and so it takes some time um and it takes you know some help too so it Takes a village it does take a village
0: ah so heartwarming tosh great <laughs> wait a jeez
1: yeah. so well anyways. kingston
0: had to uh kingston had to jump off but i know that he i mean i think he would 100 percent agree with what you're saying there that yeah, I mean, there it it does take a lot of effort to get a team, you know, to get the word out in regards to rugby and to get those guys convinced. And um, like I said, yeah. I mean, I think you guys are making l- large strides to do that. It's just, you know, figuring out that secret sauce that you know LCA or um, or Harriman is is taking care of. Which it sounds like, you know, it's really just the school on board and then partially <laughs> the, the local government. So yeah, um, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Stuff gotta just gotta grease a few palms. Exactly. That's
2: it. Send a few brides yeah. here and there and bada bing, bada boom. Absolutely not.
1: But, it, uh, yeah, sometimes you gotta do what it takes. Um,
0: it's for the children. We're talking about yeah, results here, Colm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's for the children. Um, but, no, in all honesty, I think all, of the, all the programs that we have in UIR right now are, are trying to do that. I mean, they're. There's just a lot of effort put into these uh, these clubs on that level. Um, they're busting their tails, so we're we're getting there. Um, all these clubs are trying their best, and you know I I think my I always think my responsibility of you know the boys' commissioner with the scheduling stuff that I have to deal with. I, we had to cancel 24 games today or 24 games for tomorrow because um, of the stupid weather and. I've got to reschedule all those those games within the next six weeks, right? Um, so I think mine, my job is hard, but when I see what these coaches are trying to do, and some of these teams just have one coach yeah, trying to lead everything, and um, hats off to them. But, yeah, these, these coaches are, are busting their tails, and we appreciate them. And without coaches, we don't have any teams, right? Right,
2: yeah. So.
1: But
0: yeah, again, right. we thank you for your time. We thank you for what you've done for you know Utah Youth Rugby, and uh, you know maybe we'll have you know you later on in the season. Who you know who knows? But uh, you know thanks again.
1: Uh, you bet, and we could always use your help at the state playoffs. I'm already there. Of